The Lord Jesus Christ speaks. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. On behalf of the family of Grace Green, I would like to welcome you all to her celebration of life here in our church. And I want to thank you to join us this morning, to take the time, to take a break from your regular life, from your daily activities, duties, responsibilities, and to pause, to mourn with us, to remember and honor Grace's life, and to support her family. A few housekeeping matters. After this service, we are having lunch and fellowship together here in our basement of our church. And at around one o'clock, the family will leave for Meeting Creek for the internment. And everyone who would like to join them is more than welcome to do so. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord of all creation, creator and redeemer of this world, as we are gathering here this morning to celebrate Grace's life, I pray that your Holy Spirit fills this room and touches each and every one of us. I pray this specifically for her family and everyone who was close to Grace. That not just today, but also in the days to come and weeks and months, that you will work in us, that grief and pain turns into peace, knowing that she is now in the best of hands. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Annette. Alan, I would like to invite you now to come forward for the eulogy. Thank you all for coming. I'm going to try to get through this like a rock, and then we'll do the tears later. <laughs> Grace Green was born on August 26, 1941 in Stettler the eighth of 13 children born to George and Laura Racher. Mom often recalled stories from her early childhood as a beloved time spending playing in the woods, picking berries, helping in the fields, working in the kitchen with her mom, going to school on horseback, and playing all sorts of imaginary games and mostly getting into mischief with all of her siblings. She also faced lots of difficulties growing up, which included falling down the well as a toddler, losing an eye at the age of five, <clears throat> losing her dad the day after her 10th birthday, rheumatic fever, many hospital visits, at a time when going to the hospital meant loading up the wagon and going to the neighbors to be able to catch a ride, <clears throat> watching her siblings while her mom was in hospice care, and then losing her mom when she was 15. 
After losing both their parents, the Rachel clan, with the help of Auntie Irene, raised each other, with older siblings taking on the younger ones as they grew up and left home. After she finished grade 10, Mom's summer job was working on Ruth and Cecil Robinson's farm, and that is where she met Dad, as we are often told, in the raspberry patch. <laughs> Dad continued to work in the area for a time they were dating, and in the spring of 59, he moved to Drayton Valley to operate wells. Mom and Dad dated long distance before getting engaged in June of that year. Mom always liked to tell the story of how Dad proposed to her. He asked her for his high school ring back. When she started to cry, thinking he was breaking up with her, he instead put a diamond on her finger. They were married on August 28, 1959 in Erskine and moved up to Drayton Valley. In the spring of 1962, Donna and Audrey came to live with Mom and Dad in their little trailer there. Donna finished up that school year and then left to live with Marion. And Audrey stayed with them until she married Uncle Steve in 1966. Auntie Audrey and Uncle Steve, Wes and Karina have always had a special place in the extended family. Mom and Dad spent the next several years in Drayton Valley and both Alan and Annette were born there. We hold many special memories of our time growing up there and special friendships that last until this day. We spent a lot of time exploring in the woods, picking berries, watching wildlife, including the many bears who frequented our backyard burning barrel. Later on, when we had children of our own, we asked Mom, weren't you ever worried about the bears and us playing for hours in the forest alone? To which she replied, oh, I guess I never really worried about it. So I guess she did raise us to be very self-reliant. When a new job opportunity took Dad to Edmonton, we moved to St. Albert, where we stayed until another work relocation took our family to our final home in the Wainwright area. Throughout these years, Mom was heavily involved in several ministries, including camp ministry at Pine Grove Bible Camp and Manitou Lake Bible Camp, doing everything from cooking cleaning, to running craft skills. She was also heavily involved in the Pioneer Girl Ministries, catering to Christians Women Clubs, working with Operation Christmas Child, missions trip to Japan with Dad, Marg, and Cliff Scott, and of course snuggling any new babies she could get her hands on. Singing was also one of Mom's passions, and she loved singing in the church choir and in worship groups but perhaps her favorite thing to do was sing with her brothers and sisters. That would be at any event that would let them come in. <laughs> Aunt Marion played piano in any key they wanted to sing in, all by ear, no music to follow. If it wasn't the right key, she'd just change her up. And nothing compared to that great family harmony, singing around the piano with Uncle Mike on the guitar. There was nothing in life Mom loved more than a good party, good friends, and of course, spirited card games. Sometimes we wonder how Dad got hooked up with the rowdy Rachel women like Mom, but they complemented each other well. Later on in her life, when mobility prevented her from being able to do all that she used to, she began a new ministry, sewing dresses for children in an orphanage in Mexico for all of her Operation Christmas Child boxes. She continued to bring meals to anyone who needed it, and of course this included her buns. 
Mom has baked buns for so many people and so many events over the years that we're quite certain if you lined them all up, they would circle the globe. No matter what stage of life she was in, Mom always found a way to serve and to be involved. Both Mom and Dad experienced great loss in losing both of their parents during childhood and young adulthood. And we think this is a part of the reason why they were so very passionate about their families and also about being part of God's family. They really had a heart for those experiencing family loss. They had such a ministry to make people feel like they had a family and a home. We are guessing that almost everyone here called Mom Grandma. And she never made it out of this church without a hug, and that's how she liked it. She loved being grandma to every youth in the church, and not superficially. She truly and deeply cared about every one of them. After mom's passing, someone reached out to us and described our mom like this. Some people just feel like home, and she felt like that. Warm and welcoming, she was so strong and embracing in the softest way. Mom and dad were married for 58 years before dad went to be with the Lord. This was a hard time for mom to lose the man she had loved since she was 16 years old and transitioned to life without him. But like every other obstacle she had faced in her life, she kept moving onward and upward and eventually moved to the Frontier Manor where she created a great community for herself. She treasured each and every one of the residences there and continued to minister through her hospitality. She would often regale her grandchildren with all the goings-on of the events and important friends that she had there. And Mom loved being a grandma and a great-grandma. She was always the first one to jump in and rush to everyone's bedside when any situation arose, all sorts of food and supplies. Grandpa in tow, barely keeping up with all the boxes and the sheer volume of everything she had them bring. She just wanted to help her family whenever and however, and it absolutely killed her whenever she couldn't be there. She was always very involved in their lives and absolutely treasured her great-grandchildren. For this, they are forever grateful. Mom just always wanted to serve others in any way she could. This was exemplified in the fact that even on the last Saturday before she passed, She just had to come out to Annette's and bring her a warm rhubarb pie. She could barely walk, but she had to come. It was just who she was. And her enduring and ever-loving friend, Aileen, brought her out just so she could give to others once more. When we think back on the difficult times Mom went through as both a child growing up in pioneer days, Later on into adulthood, she never let those hard times stop her from ministering. Even after she lost dad and had to make the hard transition from doing ministry as a couple to doing it on her own, she never wavered. Ministry and service was her life, and we really feel that no one could ever better exemplify being the hands and feet of Jesus than our mom. She really was grace to everyone that crossed her path. And as we move forward in life without our mom here on earth, we pray that we will always remember this truth from her life, that the hard things that happen in our life don't have to harden us. When we let God be the center, they can soften our hearts and help mold and shape us to be the best that we can be. 
and reprioritize our lives to reach out to others. <clears throat> Seeing how absolutely full this room is today is a testament to the magnitude of the legacy that she leaves behind. We love, love you, Mom. Mom.
When we as a family came to Wainwright and to this church more than 15 years ago, Grace and Wayne were already here. As we have heard just now, and you all know, they had been here for a very, very long time. 
And for most of us who call this church their home, including ourselves, it is very difficult to imagine a Wainwright Evangelical Free Church without Grandma Grace. In many ways, she represented what our church stands for. Or actually, I should correct myself and say, she represented what our church aspires to be. A big heart, full of love for all people, serving others, especially those in need, and always ready to share the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Aline, Suzanne, and myself came to the provost hospital last week, and as we are entering Grace's room, I was struck with awe. This is an awe that always overcomes me when I'm entering a hospital room in which a life is ending. It reminds me of the preciousness of human life in the face of his transient. It reminds me how valuable, how irreplaceable each and every one of us is while we have only a fleeting existence. There's some things it just can't control. There's some things we cannot hold on to as much as we want. One might be even tempted to join the preacher of the book of Ecclesiastes, who says, everything is meaningless, for we all share the same destiny. From dust we come and to dust we return. This indeed would be a reason for despair. If, if there would not be something, if there would not be something that triumphs over it. Then we asked Grace whether there is a scripture we could read for her. And without hesitation, she answered Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, 
goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That which triumphs over despair. That which triumphs over despair in the face of death is faith. The author of the book of Hebrews writes, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Our faith is not a vague faith, an undirected faith, a faith into something we don't really know or we don't really understand. But it's a very specific one. Our faith is a very tangible faith. When Jesus and the apostles arrive in Bethany in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, they find a grieving community. They find a grieving family. They find Martha and Mary mourning for their brother Lazarus. The scriptures read, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Grace was a Martha. This was her confession. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And this is how she lived her life. With all her heart, and with all her soul, and all her strength, and all her mind. Just as we heard in the eulogy, and you all know, this was her life's purpose. 
and what drove her throughout her life to serve. Now I believe that in the person of Martha, our paths can cross this morning. Graces and our path can cross right here in this building, in this very moment. Because just as Martha has been mourning for her brother Lazarus, so we are here to mourn for Grandma Grace. And yet, and yet if we join in the confession of Martha, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Then we are not only joining Martha, but we are also united with grace, who has taken her place in the eternal dwellings, in the very presence of our God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for Grace's life and how she be in a blessing for so many people, especially her family, but also for her church family and for many, many more people she has been serving to. I also want to thank you how you have blessed her in her life with your love and faithfulness and the grace to be a child of yours. Heavenly Father, I, I pray and ask you that in the coming days, weeks, and months, that you give us the strength, that you give us the power to continue her legacy in our own lives. To serve others. To sing your praises. And to be a testimony with our lives and our words for your goodness. And that Jesus indeed is the Christ. The Son of God who was to come into this world. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Amen.